is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board Series 6, Episode 17, as always, for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Craig Hutchison, Damien Barrett with you and Hutchie. I've known you a long time now, and I know you to be many things. One of them, a very prominent storyteller. You love telling a story. You're a good storyteller. I never know how much to believe of any given story, but you are a very good storyteller. Where are you heading with this? Hello, Damo. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Nice to be back for series whatever it is, episode whatever. Episode 17 of series six. I raise this today, Hachi, because one of your many stories when you get on a roll, and I've heard this one a few times, I love it, is you once upon a time in the back blocks of New York playing a pickup game, that being a basketball game, with a Hollywood superstar. Happy Gilmore himself, Adam Sandler. And I raise it today because for the past week, all my feeds from the United States of America have referenced Adam Sandler in the last week or so doing such thing again, doing a game of pickup basketball. And it's it's captivated the American press going, for some reason. It's been going viral in American media. And I reckon you've told me this story 15 years ago that you once manned him up on a, and, and went one-on-one with him for half an hour in a, in a New York gym. Hasn't it been going viral? The New York Post did another story today on his second appearance playing pickup, and the first clip went viral and nuts. And there's this fascination that he goes and plays local um, community basketball all of a sudden. So you used to do this quite regularly from memory, didn't you? You used to just roll up to a gym, not don't know anyone. You're putting me in a bit of a spot here because I do I don't like people to tell stories and insert themselves in stories oh, nah. with famous people. So you're, really, you're making this very impossible to move forward from here. You put me in a real bind here. I'll take the arm from behind not, your back. It's not a great story. It's an okay story. There's <laughs> a lot of name dropping in it. There's not many ways out of this. And I've got to warn our listeners, whatever you're about to hear, it might be true. It might be 100% true. It might be 1% true. There'll be some truth somewhere. There will also be some mayonnaise on it as well. So go, go for it. You might couple... have even updated the version that I heard last. You might have made it better for your sportsman's knowledge. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm going to need a couple of minutes. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I'm a long storyteller. The floor either, so is yours. A few things are going against me here. Anyway, long story short... <laughs> You don't do long story short. I moved to New York, resign all my jobs, and in essence, kicking around doing not much, trying to find the next thing in my life at the end of 2006. One of the ways I decided to try and meet some people was to go to the Reebok Sports Club, which was 400 metres from my house on West 65th Street in New York City. Yep. And it's got six levels, it's got two basketball courts, and at four o'clock in the afternoons, they play pickup games. There is no community sport in New York other than pickup games in gym. So they're taking intensely seriously. And this still goes on even today? Still going. COVID yeah. allowance? You yeah. can't go and play for the local club. There's the elite level and then there's the gym. Okay. And so the gym is full of combatants who want to be great and they're there to win every day. And in their own minds would have once been semi-great. The pickup games start at 4 p.m. in the afternoons. You every day. You arrive, and there's names on the wall. So you put your name down like a pool table. So you're Damien, you're the sixth person to arrive. That means you're the first person on the second team. First five, off they go. So, and I saw how intense it was. I went and watched a couple of times. They're all good guys, but they're all, and there's some serious ballers. There's next to some ex, you know, senior players. college players, probably. Yeah. Yep. And there's some 45-year-olds who are there to, to win every day. And they don't want to be playing with anyone who's no good because it can prohibit their chance to stay on the, on the court. Okay. Right? Yeah. So they, what used to happen with me is they used to get angry if they drew me on the team <laughs> because I was the worst player in the gym. They'd say, I'm not having him. You have him. No, you have him. I'm not, I'm not taking him. Oh, look at his names on the wall. And they talk openly in front of you. 
and and they demoan the fact that you're on the board. I played a couple of times. Don't you shoot. You dare try and shoot today. I'm not having him. People would sit back. They'd walk in the gym. They'd see your name. They'd go and get a coffee waiting for you to get on the court before... People went out of their way to play with me. And after about two or three goes... To not play with you. I was I was becoming a bit intimidated to put my name down the board because oh, I knew the whole gym didn't want me to play. All right? That's never once worried you, Hutchie. So then I started going in the mornings, about 10, 10.30 in the morning. I thought, I'll go on my own, yeah. put up a few shots in the Reebok Sports Club, try and improve a little bit. Get your eye in. To, get, to see if I can build to the point where I'm not the biggest disgrace in the game. And Have an aspiration to play in the ones. Yeah. Anyway, one morning I'm there, I'm shooting on my own, and down the other end of the court, there's three people who I haven't taken any notice of, and they're shooting. And I'm just shooting on my own for about 10, 15 minutes. And I hear this voice go, you want to make it, you want to make it two on two, man? I look, at, I look around and I say, yeah, yeah, okay. I thought, this is not bad. I'm not in the pickup games in the afternoon. I'm not going to be under the intense scrutiny that I'm normally and under. And importantly, un- unusually for you on this occasion, you, you're wanted. I'll get, so someone actually uh, wants your attention and, and, your, and your form. I'm needed, and yeah. I'll get some of the ball, because yeah. there's only two of us playing against two. Yeah. So the guys come down, and... Adam Sandler is one of the three. And he, he says, I'll take you, mate. What's your name? And so I'm playing on Adam Sandler in a game of pickup. So I'm trying to build my confidence. And then I think he was making the movie Click in New York at the time. You can Google that and see the time he's at up. I'm not so, sure. So after Happy Gilmore, though, yeah. probably his most famous yeah, 2006. Movie. So two on two, I play against Adam. And it's like having uh, Waterboy run at you. Like he's intense <laughs> on defense. And I'm, I'm timid. Still learning oh, the game of basketball. You're not timid, are you? <laughs> and we finish up, have, have a bit of fun, and he says, um, you here this time tomorrow? And I say... Yeah, this is this is where I'm not sure the story's 100% accurate, but keep going with no, it. That's true. And I say, yeah. He goes, you want to make another two-on-two then? We'll be here again in the morning. I said, yeah, no problem. So the next day, I turn up for a pre-arranged two-on-two game of basketball with Adam Sandler. And this time... Your new bestie in New York. And he's fascinated with the accent. This time he says, I'll take... I'm with the Aussie this time. So it's me and him <laughs> onto his personal trainer and his mate, two-on-two. Now, now, I'm not sure whether I keep believing whatever you're telling now, Get, but it's a good story, as it always is. Gets better. Slightly different to the last time I heard you tell me, but that's that's good. Gets better. <laughs> so we, we play... I share my angst about the pickup games. He, by this stage, is two days in, is laughing along with me at how inept I am at basketball. And he says... Oh, and you think this is not true. This is 100% on my mother's life true. He says... I was going to go and play in the pickup games this afternoon myself. I'll join you. <laughs> Meet you here at four. Oh, now, now the mayonnaise is coming out of the. <laughs> Meet you here at four. Oh, yeah. I turn up again. I leave. I turn up five hours later for I, a third game with for Adam a third Sandler game at four o'clock. Your new bestie, and you'll think I'm putting mayonnaise on this. As true as I stand here, he has written both of our names on the board in his own handwriting. Aussie guy. He's written. <laughs> Ads. A-S and Aussie guy. Ads. Hutch. <laughs> no, Hutchie. This, no, no, this, I'm True not, bo- I'm not boring this bit. True story. No. I'm in the first game. No, I don't. Sandler, me, and three other blokes who hate he me. Might who have, he, at to... best, he might have put down Adam plus one. He had put my specific name in his handwriting, and we're playing the first game, and he is defending me. Verbally against the other three blokes who are like, you know, trying to play with him. Yeah, why are we playing with this bloke for? (laughs) And we hold the court for three games, David. (laughs) We go two and zero and hang on to the third game, in which we're eventually beat. And he's put anyone who wants to go near me, um, you know, have a go at me verbally. He's sticking up for me because I'm the I'm the underdog. And that is my Adam Stanley story. We played. We went two one, got beat. Did you ever see him again? Never saw him again. (laughs) It could have been a great friendship. 
That's what happened. Played three three times. Anyway. So, so why are those in your post caught up and in was, doing it this he week? Was, he was doing things like pass the ball to me under the ring because no one else would ever do it. Because <laughs> he's a movie star. He can do what he wants. I'll pass the ball to him if I choose. And people looking at him, oh, I can't really take him on. He had a great fadeaway. He had a good jump shot. He's strong with the elbows under the ring, Damo. Was he? Yeah. Um, Three-point be- shot on him. Before we move off you and basketball, um, one of those early that- trips we had, uh, you took me to Madison Square Garden to watch the New York Knicks, who were yeah. at one of their phases of trying to rejuvenate, uh, to, with Amari Studemite, who was the big yes. recruit. And you somehow got onto the court with Spike Lee and a few other actors before the game started. Got us in there. And you somehow got one of the balls that they were using to warm up with and practice and have a couple of shots yourself. The first, of, the first of which may have missed by every bit of five metres. Yeah, Total yeah. air ball. You embarrassed us, uh, It did, got some hoots from the crowd, I think, on the <laughs> night. Did, actually. I think Murray himself sort of looked, raised his eyebrows. <laughs> that story's a bit uh, indulgent. I've got a few more of those. <laughs> With Adam Sandler? Or? Next week, if you want me just to tease the uh, silly celebrity story for next week, yeah. the time Cameron Diaz, Justin Timberlake and I knocked over a biscuit tin in a supermarket. <laughs> That's next week's. Right. Can we also subject our listeners to your, to your Jamie Foxx one one night, or is yeah, that, is that the, off limits? I'll do that, that one. the week after. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just breaking every rule of my own uh, philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to start now. I had so many so many options to start it, but I just as I was walking into the studio today, noticed the Adam Sandler thing for the fifteenth time this week. And I thought I have to give you a chance to tell your story. Yeah, so, a bit of fun. Yeah. Well, where do you want to start, Hutchie? Do you want to like let's just bang through some topics as we do without any particular reason for the order. Sandpaper Gate, we, we said last week that the uh, the toothpaste was out of the tube on on what Cam Bancroft had said and, and it had developed to a point even since we spoke last week. The, the four bowlers in question um, at that time in question in South Africa three years ago put out a joint statement denying it all and conveniently Cricket Australia has made it go away for a second time in three years. Well, it's, it's fairly obvious what happened from the outside, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you give me what you think's happened, yep. and I'll give you what I think's happened too. And as we've often mentioned, uh, the Jack Nicholson line is in as good as it gets. I've never told you a lie. I've only ever told you a version of the truth. There are versions of the truth on this. And both parties, in essence, are telling the truth. Did the bowlers know that there was work going on on the ball in that series and beyond? Of course they did. It, everyone in the world was doing it. The ball hasn't reverse swung since. Of course they did. <laughs> Did Cameron Ban- Bancroft, was he was his job to do the heavy lifting on behalf of the bowlers in that series? Yes. Did, were the cricketers right in saying they did not know that sandpaper had been applied on the ball that day? Of course they were. They wouldn't have known that that had actually happened. They would have known that there was work going on in the series on the ball, but they're not looking at it going, gee, that's just been affected by sandpaper in the last 10 minutes. I choose to accept that their statement, but their statement was specific to the day, yeah. not the series or the era. Yep, it was. And... They're in brand protection mode because you know, particularly Pat Cummins is a global brand. He's you know multi-million dollar IPL player. He's a future Australian captain. There's a lot of stake for him in particular yep. and the others. So they're being managed from a brand perspective. And Correct. They're, they're keen to put as much distance between them and this as they can. Yep. Uh, Cam fell into the London papers. He won't be the first person to do that. They are the experts. At, uh, they would have gone there with that agenda in mind. The Guardian would have gone... Well, see that Cameron Bancroft's playing over here in the county. Why don't we go and see if we can wind him up? And see if we can even become a geezer. So they would have gone and had a crack at... Is that what they would have said? I trying. The, the English print are very, very good at their job and would have been... 
targeting that a particular version of that answer yep. to derail the Australian a to make news and b derail the Australian head of next summer. Well, it's going to come up again when they fly out to Australia for the Ashes this coming Australian summer, isn't it? No doubt. And then the Cricket Australia just didn't have their best PR day. So, well, this is the interesting part that I want to jump in on. So, so the new CEO Nick Hockley, Hockley? yeah. Yep. So, so initially makes some statements that that he felt he needed to make at the time. This is my observations from afar, Hachi. I haven't worked on the story, but the initial statements were along the lines of, "If anyone else has got any more information, please on pass. We're, we're keen to hear it." Now, that means nothing. But then the narrative from him and others around Cricket Australia changed pretty quickly. Give me three or four days later, Hachi, give or take a day or two, that there is nothing more to see here. We investigated this thoroughly three years ago and we're moving on. Now, a couple of things there. They didn't investigate it thoroughly three or four years ago. They investigated it in a manner that allowed them to play the very next test and also to apply sanctions, which were quite serious, by the way, to the individuals involved. But they never, ever got to the bottom of it. They never, ever wanted to get to the bottom of it. And they certainly don't want to revisit it three years later. No, and what what they need to be is just stare down the critics and just be tough. And they got to get they got to play the Andrew Demetrio playbook on this. Well, you said that last week. Yeah, they've got to be. Look, we don't know how many times we have to tell you. We investigated it in quick form. We made sanctions. The player lost his job for twelve months. Our captain got lost, and there are other actions. You might like them. You might dislike them. Mm. That was the action we took at the time, and no further correspondence will be ended. Into. So why didn't they do that? Uh, I think it's because we're in a state of limbo with with the new CEO who's yet to. Put his feet. Well, I, I really, I really down. I really felt for him, and I, I listened to his interview on Jared Waitley last week, and I'm perhaps a little bit privy to the to the background on that. I, I, f- I feel for him because it's not something you get taught in college how mm. to handle tough situations with force and conviction. And equally, he's probably choosing his words collect, uh, carefully because a he's trying to be a collaborative CEO in the modern era, uh, and b he's still trying to prove himself. So he doesn't want to make a mistake. Yeah, but I think he just. Strengthen you, you can't win everyone over with what you say, so you might as well be staunch. I, I nothing he says is going to make people change their view. The Australian no. public have formed a view, I formed a view one way or another, how they feel. Yep, and no interview is going to you're not going to come away from you going, you know what, I've just listened to that cricket Australia CEO, and I reckon I've now it's got a new, view. newfound perspective. People are stuck in their views, yeah, so you're better off doubling down on your own, I think. Yeah, you're better off saying you're at least showing authority, aren't authority. you? Authority in doing that, yeah. yeah. You Tell might me, not like it. Here's what we're doing. Seeing you mention Andrew Demetra, I wasn't going to flag this today, but I've got a view on this too. In the AFL at the moment, for those who are non AFL people just listening you to move, us, you better move off the topic. I was, yeah. Can I wanna... just say what it does remind me? And I heard Adam Gilchrist's comments that you know we haven't seen reverse swing since. People see cricket in different ways. It's far better for me to have an opinion on cricket, but I'm about to. Bowler dominating bat is far more marketable and sellable than bat dominating ball for me. Don't I don't agree up front with that, but tell me why you're saying that. Because I don't agree with that. I think the best parts of cricket are when the bowler's causing mayhem and the batsman's under pressure. If the batsman makes runs, it goes for four or six, but otherwise he's, under, he's, out, he's in trouble. He's, he's defending, the ball's moving, hooping around. Flat cricket, five-day tests and... Drawn games, no good. Action is what people want to see in cricket, either runs or wickets. And we're always going to see enough batsmen who can do their thing. I, I reckon a swinging ball is one of the great things of cricket. <laughs> a swinging and a spinning ball, to, if you can draw the rules up from day one, why we don't allow ball maintenance, I'll never know. Let people tinker with the ball. It's a skill. 
Let them tamper yeah. with it. Even in the old schoolyard and, and backyard days, Hachi, yep. just because there was tape on the ball didn't mean everyone could swing it the way some could. Yeah, so, so what I would say is this. You're playing whites. You're not allowed to have pockets in your whites. <laughs> Here we go. Rule number one. No, don't run pockets. But you can do whatever you want to do with but the ball. Do your best on the field. If you want to, but if, then, but then you'd be... you want to bounce it around. If you want to roll it in from the outfield. If you want to polish it or shine it or spit on it or whatever you want to do, knock yourself out. You do all you can do to make that ball work for you, but you can't use any foreign objects, and therefore you can't have. You're like a croupier at the well, casino. Well, you can't have. That is effectively have, that, that's allowed as it stands. Well, you, you can scuff the ball up by by choosing to throw it in on the so bounce of the it, keeper. You, you make, can use sweat. You can spit on it. Make it legal. Well, it is legal. That, that, that is legal. No, but just but using bottle tops and sandpaper is not. Yeah, so you can't bring anything on the field to influence the ball. Well, but you, the, you can't. So, so boy, I don't know what you're saying here. Everything you've just said is allowed at the moment. The natural elements on the ground, if you want to do your best. You can, oh, you mean actually go and rub it in the... Just encourage people to do whatever they want with the ball. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one, Archie, but we might have why, why exhausted not? that conversation enough. Why not? What, go over what, to the fence and they, rub it in the concrete. What that, they can't say is what Lance Armstrong couldn't say, and that is everyone in the world is doing this. All nine teams are manipulating the ball. The only person who's ever said not that. Not only have we known, everyone knows. The only person who's ever said that was in 1988 when Ben Johnson won the 100 metres at the Olympics yep. and a week later it said, well, yep, okay, you got me, but everyone. I'm not the only one doing this. And he's the only drug cheat who's at least said that. Everyone else says, oh, you know, it's in my toothpaste, it's in my steak, yeah. I kissed a girl. They've never, ever owned up, have they? But is everyone's doing it a defence, do you think? Like, that was Lance Armstrong's. Every, every, well, he was just doing it better than everyone else. Yeah. And <laughs> the people who do do it, Hutchie, will also tell you privately that you've still got to be able to have some ability to begin with to actually still be the best at what you do, even if you are taking artificial assistance. Yeah, so none of that is defending those behaviours. But what we are saying, or what I'm saying is this, cricket's more interesting with a tinkered ball. Let the ball be tinkered with. <laughs> All right. Now, you mentioned Andrew Demetrio, and for those who, uh, as I said before, who follow us who aren't AFL-minded, uh, Andrew Demetrio, former Chief Executive Officer of the AFL, I wanted to raise his name in the context of Damien Hardwick, a successful Richmond Premiership coach times three out of the past four years, causing a few problems, at least publicly, complaining about the AFL-owned stadium that he was once forced to play at uh, this season, uh, commentating, criticising umpires at half-time of a game on the weekend just gone. Had Andrew Dimitro been in charge of the AFL... I reckon there would have been some form of sanctioning that we would all know about by now heading Damien Hardwick's way. There's a different operation at the AFL right now. Ian Collins is a former also AFL administrator who I think would have handled the Damien Hardwick situation. How would they have handled it? Well, I'm not not claiming to know exactly what they would have done, but there would have been a public element to his behaviour. Actually, he... Do you know that they haven't dealt with the problem? No, no I don't know. And yeah. they may have. They, they, for all I know, they, they may have personally spoken to him. But, but I'd, part I'd of be surprised the, if they haven't. I would be too. I'd be very surprised if the call hasn't been, gone at least to someone from his club, the CEO or even president. Yep. Um, but I don't know if it has. And if it has, they're not willing, they haven't volunteered that. But if it was the previous administration, Sachi, Ian Collins, Andrew Demetrio, I think they would have got, um, got on the front foot and, and made it known to the public that that's what they're doing. Would, would you agree with that? And, and I just want to raise this in terms of how certain people and how organisations are run throughout the course of history. Some have the the whip, so to speak, and some do the the gently, gently. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm more the gently, gently person, the way I'm wired too, Hutchie, by the way. But there's something to be said about the whip. I mentioned, I think, last week that I'd, if it were me, I'd have dealt with it 
I mean, I, if you're the AFL, you've saved the game. Mm. You've got a $2 billion asset that you had the foresight to invest in. You've leveraged against it as a loan yeah. to help the rest of the competition stay available. And then you've got the coach of the team that plays 14 times out of 22 at the MCG saying yeah. he hates going there and it's no good, it's got no soul. I'd have had him in my office at 9 o'clock Monday morning. So, mate, which competition do you want to be in? You know, like it's yep. – that, that would be – now my style's too – that's not the right way to handle it. That's what, well, no, that, that would have been my no, but Why is it the wrong way to handle it? That would have been it? my well, no, no, he's, he's out of control at the moment. I mean, to think he can, he thinks he can go on national TV at half time and sook it up over a free kick count. And in, in, a, in a period, two weeks ago, Hutchie, we were having umpire appreciation week at the AFL. Yeah, so... And so when he does that, now, again, I know people sometimes don't often play, pay a lot of weight to, to the filtered down effect, but when a premiership coach times three thinks he can criticise, in his manner, umpiring of a game. The person who's coaching his or her child on a weekend, it's natural for them to complain about it when they see it that way as well. The the inference is that Richmond are a bit ahead of themselves and a bit uh, prone to complain, and that reputation they developed in 2020 doesn't seem to have gone away because success comes off the back of it. And mm. if you're a Richmond supporter, and there'll be Richmond supporters listening now going, turn it up, you blokes. Yeah, we, they, it's us versus the world, and we'll we'll do what we want to get the outcome that we need. So that chasm is widening a little bit mm. between the two. I didn't like his Marvel Stadium comments. Yep. I, I, I got uh, stood down for two weeks for talking negatively about the stadium when when it had a former owner. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I reckon what I said about Death Valley was not nearly as bad as what Damien said. <laughs> it wasn't even my term. And uh, copped my medicine. It was his first act of you know, speaking from the heart. You go, okay, oh, he's just yeah. put him in a weak moment. But it's not his first rodeo. Like, no. He's got repeat form on... on well, even I mean, David Schwartz can deal with him, his own problems. But remember last year when he had a, had a comment about Tom Lynch's behaviour, and Tom Lynch had a had a series of events which required AFL to fine him for for incidents with other players in a game. And David Lynch, like uh, David Lynch, David Schwartz, like a lot of people, had a had a negative view on Tom Lynch's behaviour. Um, Damien Hardwick went the personal path, saying, "I played against him in a grand final in in two thousand, and he was crying twenty minutes into the game. He can go look at it. I mean, he plays the man when it suits him as well. I mean, this is a guy who who told us last year, and the club did at least by way of extension on the Amazon documentary, making their mark to be hungry and humble. I reckon they're still hungry. I choose to believe that Damien's a, a really good football person. He's overstepped the mark on a couple of occasions, but I do think he needs to get reined in, and now's about the time to do it. And I, it doesn't feel like Richmond are going to be able to do that or want to do it. So it needs to be the AFL. Hmm. And I'm not so, so, okay. So what would you, what would you do then? Is it is it just a phone call? Is it a sanction of a cup of coffee nature? and you know give him one more chance reminder? It, and yeah. you know if you, if you didn't feel convinced, it'd be a, a heavy suspended sanction on. And I think just you try and tackle the all eighteen coaches rather than one. We expect you to talk the game up. Like if last year taught us anything, mm. surely it's how vulnerable our sport can be and how hard it is. A lot of people, good people, lost their jobs. A lot of assistant coaches are being paid not enough money for too much work. Yeah, the coaching haircuts have gone on are too hard, too severe, and and too restrictive, and. People like Damien need to be great advocates for coaching and to work collaboratively with the AFL, not to talk the game down or the stadiums down. Yep. I think I, I thought it was a much bigger issue than the AFL um, dealt with. 
Yep. Hachi, we discussed the Craig McLaughlin interview on Channel 7 uh, this time last week on this program. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we both had acknowledged on the show that we hadn't seen it, but I told you people and told you that I'd, I'd managed to watch it for five minutes. I couldn't stomach it another five minutes. Having said that, I had a listener who told me it was worth my while to have a look at. So I went back and, and, and watched the whole thing, and I'm glad I did because it, it has a slightly different light. I raised that because I wanted to raise an aspect of it which I wasn't aware of when I did comment on it last week. And it's got, actually got nothing to do with what we discussed last week other than to, to raise this, and that is that there was coaxing of answers out of the interview subjects by the media themselves. I've never seen anything like it. So I'd read this commentary as well. So can you give us some explanation yeah. of how this happened? Yep. So there was uh, pixelated um, imagery, so to speak, but there was no, that I saw anyway, reenactment. So I think it was the real footage of, of interviews with the people making the complaints against Craig McLaughlin. So that's all well and good. They're, they're interviews, but certain answers were given. And then, as you would have done may, way more times than I have, there's obviously the, we're not recording now, we just have a chat. And then someone saying, was that answer okay? And then there was a bit of a pause at times. I'm paraphrasing a, a deeper topic, and people can go and watch it back now. I'm sure it's still on the on the catch-up devices. So who, but, so who, who are you saying was coerced? The people making the complaints were coerced into into phrasing their answers a certain way. And then he had, he had now, the, now that, they were convinced themselves that the answers they gave were the answers they wanted to give. But there were conversations that were had along yep. the lines of, "Now you've just said this." Would you maybe want to just phrase it this way? Yeah, it's a good idea. Or I mean, again, this is this is a simplification of a of a deeper yep. topic, and people so can make their own views. You're like, troubled by that? Oh, I'm a little bit uh, a little bit disturbed by it. Yeah, yeah, yep. I, I, particularly when, with the topic at hand. Um, so this is leading the witness, right? Well, if you want to use that phrase, it, you could use that yep. phrase. Yeah, I, I, I because of the topics here, Hutchie, it's hard to actually make too many sweeping statements on it, but. And this was obviously a part of his defence and his partner's defence of him. So in, I haven't seen the full story, so I'm in your yeah. hands. Are you, are you saying he used that footage as, as part of his defence? As part of his storytelling in this program two Sunday nights ago, yeah. yeah. And if you're him, I, I'd, I'd be throwing that up too, for what it's worth. And, and that's not, again, make any comment on the charges that were laid against him and which he's been cleared of. I'm not making any comment on that. I'm talking about the practice of media. Did you find him credible in the interview? Um, not credible sort of word I'd use, but but I'm glad I'm glad I saw it in totality now, that, um, which I hadn't seen the previous because I didn't want to see it. I, I didn't care for him defending himself over these so issues. If, so if the complainants felt uncomfortable about their allegations in that they were uneasy talking about it, is it unreasonable for a journalist to offer assistance to them in your mind? Uh, I, I take a pretty strong view on that. Um, I I don't think it's the journalist's role to to do that. I really don't. I mean, the journalist's role is to investigate it. The journalist's role is to ask a question. It is not the journalist's role to suggest a way an answer can be provided, Hutchie. I mean, I'm not going to say I've never helped someone answer questions, Hutchie. That, that, would, be, that would be incorrect if I said that. But we're talking about a pretty serious topic yeah. here. And again, maybe, maybe in five or ten years' time, I, I will tell you an example of what I'm referring to here where I was asked by the subject to, to assist. But we're talking about a footballer doing an interview, Hutchie. Well, yep. it's not, and, and it was neither in or there. And yes, I did. I but, and, the, and I've also helped people off air, as, as you have more than I have, I would have thought. But to, to they're not independent, coach... They're, and not in, they're not independent interviews by their nature, though, because in order to open up on something that 
allegedly happened to you, you need to have a sympathetic ear as a journalist in order to feel comfortable to tell the story. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So it's a different type of interview, isn't it? Yeah. It's but not, that, that's all well and good. That, not, that, that gets the you're person not, you're not to... Being, you're not being interrogated. You're being, by extension, you're being helped. Maybe that, not as blatantly as you talked about, but... That gets the person into the chair with the camera rolling. Yep. I, I agree with that, and I think that's all part of it, and that, that's a skill in itself. But to then go the next level and suggest phrases and yeah. and again, I'd, I'd rather people, if they're really interested in that topic, to watch which, it themselves and see no, what they none think. Of that, none of that doesn't. None of that diminishes what they said and the, the and the seriousness of it, though. No, it doesn't. But if it's soundbited, and you know what I think of people who soundbite, actually, we've got a prime minister who lives by the soundbite, and he he just doesn't actually know what he's talking about. Yep. So leaving that particular issue aside and talking in general about interviewing people. You know, I would think when I worked in television news, a good percentage of the time I went to interview someone, I knew I was looking for the reaction that served my story as opposed to the yeah. other way around. I think we all have done that and, yep. and, and we'll do that, yeah. yeah. But the journalist normally has the shape of what he intends to do uh, or her do in mind before they've broached a, a subject for yep. a response. Yep. Yep. But do you... Surely you understand where I'm coming yeah, from. This I, I the, the coaching of a particular phrase yeah. is is that, think, that sits very uncomfortable. I think coaching, if that is what happened, obviously goes too far. But that I do have some empathy for the or mass empathy for the the vulnerability of the complainants and how they how hard it would have been to, to open up about what happened and then yep. the need to support them to do that. Uh, did you catch up on the findings into the BBC and journalist Martin Bashir and his interview back in 1995 with Princess Diana? Yeah, it was uh, the deceitful manner and the fake documents to obtain the interview. And I saw um, Prince William's smashing of the BBC. That two, You don't see William like that for two, three minutes in full flight. Mm. We haven't before. And the media obviously very... Very easy target, like when you've got a chance to get something off your, your chest in front of the media, at the media's expense, and you've generally got a this community behind you. And so, you know, it was he, he landed. But, yeah, so the the finding was that they didn't reach the high standards. It, that basically, it says that she was tricked into doing the interview. Yeah, deceitful way. Yep. Yep. What, now, that it's was... A fam- it's a famous interview that went on in, a, in our lifetime. That went on a lot in those days, didn't it? The trickery. Yeah. Do you think we still have as much of that in media as we did? I think there's a, a greater awareness, and and when you, s- you refer to 1995, it's not that long ago, but yeah. it's 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 an age ago when, a, when you talk about the public's awareness of media trickery. That was an era. The news of the world closing maybe was the day where things hopefully started to shift a little bit. But that was an era where people would do anything to get the story. Yep, wasn't it? Yep. Do you, do we look at it differently too, Hutchie, given that it's the BBC? It, it, it has always in our yeah. lifetime, and even it's survived the, you know, the the scandals that have been um, plaguing British Fleet Street press for, forever. It was always above that. Yeah, it's not. It's not above it. I think that 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 gives it more, even more currency. Like if this was the Daily Mail, it'd be still a big story, but probably half the story that it is. Mm. The fact that it's the credible conservative. Extensively government-funded BBC that's yeah. found to have been deceitful and, against the monarchy. And not just being deceitful against the monarchy, but deceitful in its own investigation of itself, to, that it unearthed yeah. certain aspects and, and findings that it then chose to just completely make go away. Is it? Again, I'm paraphrasing a deeper document here and there would have finding, been, but that's what has been written. There would have been, wrongly, editors over the years or heads of news that 
argued that the end the end justified the means, right? Like the explosive piece of content they got with Princess Diana as an interview and her. Well, it was, it's still been referred to yeah. until recently, hasn't it? But does the end justify the means when you've now retrospectively yeah, had your credibility that, totally eroded? That was an era, though, where there wasn't really consequences of media and interviews, right? Nowadays, and you talk about it a lot, you think all the time about how people react, how mm. you're perceived. Audiences are smarter. People have got a clear view on the, what they're watching and, and the appropriateness or otherwise of doing it. Yeah. Also, too, people have... And, and and Princess Diana, if if there was a comparison in 2021, she would be using her own platforms to get any messaging across, yeah. wouldn't she? She wouldn't be subjecting herself to a live camera and live microphone under would, those circumstances. Yeah, would have much more freedom to communicate whatever she wanted to communicate directly to yeah. her own, as as Harry and and Meghan are doing in Princess another country. Di- Princess Di would have had world record Instagram followers and had yeah. the ability to talk directly to that. Con- yeah, you know. That audience, it wouldn't have needed to sit down with anybody. Yep, Hachi, I, I read during the week, and, and I, I was proud of myself. I didn't, I didn't click on it, so I was proud of myself. But I knew what was coming, and I did read it when it when the paper got delivered the next morning. But the the click on this story was, um, and I want to get your views on this. Collingwood can't manage to kick a goal on the field, but coach Nathan Buckley is having no trouble scoring in his private life. That's on the Herald Sun last week, Hachi. Click here, please, it said. And then Buckley would scoring. He off field with Glamazon girlfriend. Yeah, he's scoring, Hutchie. Yeah. Can I get your opinion on that, well, please, Well, you raised it. What's yours? He's scoring. on the. I, I, yeah. I can see the Herald Sun getting pretty worked up over another media outlet if it dared use the phrase man scoring off field, a man of profile scoring off field. Yeah, the, the sat- I don't sound like I'm defending. I didn't like the language of the subs in that particular instance. Hmm. I thought it was a bit disrespectful and... Very disrespectful. Incon- inconsiderate. To, to, to him? To, to his new the, partner? To his former partner? To his children? The, the Saturday paper... Imagine one of his sons may have gone up and said, what are you scoring, Dad? The Saturday paper... Um, this is not to defend it. The Saturday paper... I'm not saying there's not interest in his life. Has, uh, so I think, I've got no interest in I it. I think the story, if they are in a relationship, I understand that that's in the public interest. Like, that's just modern times. Yep. I'll, I'll, the, I'm with you on that. The Saturday but, paper and the social side of it has been very tongue-in-cheek for a long time, and it hasn't discriminated against men or women in being tongue-in-cheek. It's just been a tongue-in-cheek two-page platform. So it does take the mickey a little bit. Yeah, but okay. And it probably has a bit more license than the other six but, but days. But why? It's, it's like cartoonists. Why Why would, should gossip yeah. columnists and cartoonists be, be operating under different yeah. rules? I would think that the... Because there's no context when the Herald Sun wants to go someone else, Hutchie. But I don't think it was a paper thing. I think it was just the, the column on Saturday that's tongue-in-cheek has written a story that's got a, it's a little bit more tongue-in-cheek than normal and the, the subs have fallen into it and they might have gone a little bit far in the headline. I don't think it's the end of the world. Scoring? Yeah, I thought that was um, misplaced. Hmm. Didn't you? Well, yeah. You know my views. Yep. Another topic. A bit of taking out the trash last week, Damo, by the way. Go for Just it. A, we've had a couple of references to this. So which uh, which are you 5, referring 50, to? 5.56 p.m. on Friday yep. night, late in the evening, the health yes. department reveals that an error was made. The wrong supermarket was identified <laughs> as an exposure site in the recent alert case. 13 days to identify the error. Yes. Uh, the fallout of that is still continuing. 
It was a definite take out the trash Friday night. Yeah. So obviously listeners of the sounding board, they've picked that. We've said 6pm Friday is newspaper deadline, don't we? <laughs> we put that on the public record. Yeah. I think it's even a touch earlier now, the Hun. There's so many topics that, that spit off that one too, given given that the topic of this taking out the trash was yet again a failure in Victoria's tracing system, Hutchie. And as we speak, there's issues going on Today. in the COVID space, which are, are worrying and... Who knows how the government here is going to handle this latest uh, setback, but um, it'll be different to how the rest of the country will handle it, no doubt. Would you agree? Yep. Yep. Can I ask you a quick question? Yes. Without notice. I saw this report earlier today by Tom Brown about an arrest warrant for Jack Watts on park, it looked like parking or traffic infringements. I saw the Herald Sun fold up on it, and then I've seen another story since saying the arrest warrant's been withdrawn. He got a hard time on that time on social today. I saw the comments box underneath and the people were picking the room. Do you think that's in the public interest, a former player in a traffic infringement? If, it's, if they're being arrested, does that make it in the public interest? Let me answer it this way. Is it in my interest? As in, am I interested in it? Could not care, Hachi. Could not that care. That wasn't the question I asked. The question no, no, I but, asked but I'm allowed to say that. So is it in the public interest? Oh, and okay, the Herald Sun followed it up. The Herald Sun actually... Is in a commercial arrangement with him on a video that he does every week. Look, look, they can find him every week, but the cops in South Australia can't. Yeah, they haven't answered my question. Do you think that's a newsworthy story? I, I don't even know what the charge is, and the fact I'm talking about it, it goes against what I'm thinking of this story for, as a starting point. Okay. H- how serious? How serious is the charge? If you can answer that for me, I'll give you an answer. But I, I don't know how serious it is. Is it? Is it a parking fine? Is it, is it a crash car? Is it another person involved in a crash? Again, I don't know the story, Hutchie. Driving without due care and failing to report a crash after incident last year. He allegedly struck a parked car while driving. Okay, so that one did play out damage. publicly at the time of his... Yep. Did that play out publicly? I couldn't. I mean, it's not as if he's hiding. It's not as if he's gone overseas, Hutchie. I mean, I saw, yep. I saw him promoted in a paper last week for having a weekly video he does. So he's not done a runner. What, what do you think? Would you have bothered with it? I, would have, I wouldn't have, okay? I would have hoped I was in a position where I didn't have to, to report it. Yeah. Because there's not much upside in it. But well, surely I, Tom doesn't But is to. it in the public interest? Probably. Is it? I, I think well, probably. It's been revoked. It's just, it's been misunderstanding. Oh, Sometimes you've got to wade through these topics, Archie. Hey, let's get to question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. This is a question, Archie, that we... Uh, we're remiss not to actually address ourselves in the main body of the sounding board uh, at least two or three weeks ago. This is from James Hawkins on Twitter. What are your thoughts on News Corp's Gold Coast Bulletin being caught running stories directly written by the Gold Coast Suns media department? Yes, it wasn't our radar. We didn't address it well enough, so we apologise for that. The Gold Coast Bulletin editor today, by the way, Rachel Hancock, has apologised to readers saying a series of stories do not properly identify the authors and their relationship with the sports club. She regrets this, taking steps to review the use of the copy for the future. I would like. I would think that there's nothing wrong with doing it, providing that it's properly labelled. You declare it. Yeah. yeah. So the, yep. the allegation here is that there was favourable coverage of the Suns. Now, if you read a, a back page, we see this all the time, it's called opinion pieces. If we read... If that had been properly bylined, the Gold Coast Suns media uh, media relations person has issued has got the following story, and please note that this person works at the Suns. Yep. Then you're at least assessing that story with all the information at hand. It's yep. when it's undisclosed, it's an issue. And again, I've got no issue with the the journos in question here and the media people at the club. They're just doing their job, and the their, their work has been effectively re. Purposed? Yep. Is that the right phrase on the media yeah, these days? Right. I mean, so they're, they're doing their work. Resources for their own... are thin. You've been on yeah. this for a fair while. Very and thin. 
Very few people going to press conferences and those type of things. So there's a resource drain on, unquestionably, and that's that's a thing. Uh, it wasn't properly labelled. And then the lines have been blurred for years. We've seen journalists in club polos doing video <laughs> shows on websites. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And pod, the podcast world's big on that. Podcast yeah. world is people, you know. So yeah. the lines have become very blurred. In, yeah. And I think it, it's unavoidable. They're going to be more blurrings. Proper disclosure and allowing you to make your own assessment is the only thing that matters. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If, if there's a declaration of source of article, let the reader determine what he or she thinks of it. I, I, it's not. I mean, it's it's not what we've traditionally known in media. But I don't have a major issue with it. You, you flagged it, I think, on Footy Classified, didn't you? A couple of weeks. Yeah, ago. it came yeah. up as a, a bit of a bit of fun last Monday. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you are moral bound to to explain the person's dual role. Yeah. Uh, just a quick one to wrap up, Hutchie. We discussed last week the NRL's uh, push to have initially fans in on a particular round of matches, press, press conferences with coaches. Wayne Bennett uh, was going to stand aside for it. Um, there's a version of this in the AFL, I've been told today, Hutchie, that goes on in Perth at Optus Stadium, where particularly with West Coast press conferences, there's a, a basically a glass panelling glass wall between the high-end corporates who pay for a certain access point to that part of the ground. Oh, the locker room, I think it is. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. And the actual audio out of the press conference is piped back into their side of the, that wall, um, which is effectively a bar. Yep. And I can imagine the condition and state of some people looking into the press conference at that stage of a, a day and then listening to some answers coming through. So that's the AFL version of what we uh, discussed last week. So you're, you're with me now? You, you no, do... I'm not at all. I think that's, I don't, that's, I don't, that's ideal. In fact, that's, you've I think it's far changed, from, you've no, changed no, your mind. I think it's far from ideal. I'm just yeah. telling you it does exist in the AFL. We discussed it last week from a, a one round of footy NRL perspective, and I, I said it's the most ridiculous idea I ever heard, and I was fully, fully on, who, on Wayne Bennett's side, and Wayne Bennett's a media hater, but on this one, I was on his side, Hutchie. Yep, that's because you're a why guy, and I'm a why not guy. And so I think no, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why, Hachi. We need and, to bring and, that back. And this is a really good way to finish our show today. You are a, uh, can I make money out of this? Yes, I can. I can get the corporates uh, here, but there's a wall there. Yeah, let's make a glass so they can see in and we'll then, it's Gene, you've probably had something to do with this the more I think about it. You have got a connection with that stadium, don't I'm you? I'm into progress. I'm the sort of guy that would have uh, a lower fence between my next door neighbour in order to build a collaborative process. You're the one that ends up in the small claims tribunal with them. <laughs> That's it's a hundred and twenty year old working out your water bills. It's a hundred and twenty year old dwelling. We share a wall. <laughs> That's the <laughs> no land one footprint. builds walls greater than you. <laughs> you're one of the one of the most genial people I know. But once you're on the other wrong side of you, that wall doesn't come down. <laughs> you, you, Even you would agree with that. And, and if you weren't aware of that situation in Perth, you'll be now thinking, "Hmm, I can get some of my corporates into there, and uh, I wonder what wonder what that costs per head, and wonder what I can sell on the side of that." Early adapter on that uh, setup over there, please. <laughs> Yeah. You've got an office in the stadium. Yes, you? we're a principal partner of Optus Stadium. <laughs> Here we go. I didn't know about that. <laughs> are you the radio studio's in the window. Are you the only business in that stadium? Like, like daily operational business? There's a retailer next door to us, uh, Rebel, who had a little, little attempt to seize our space at one stage. But uh, And you've, you're probably renting that space to them? No, we've got, we, we, pay, we pay very appropriately to be a tenant of Optus Stadium. Thank you. <laughs> Chest pains. Is there any part of this industry now that you're not 
involved with in some form. I was just saying to Adam Sandler the other day that it's <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's That was the sounding board yeah. for uh, episode seven on series six for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to DrinkWise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.